Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the Shintaro Higashi Show with Peter Yu. Today we're going to talk about Japanese technique names in martial arts. Mm-hmm. Right. So Peter was browsing Reddit as he usually does. He loves Reddit. And he <laughs> came across this thread saying that the BJJ guys are like, Hey man, we shouldn't be forced to learn Japanese. It's not fair to us non-native Japanese speakers. Right. And we want to talk a little bit about that. Right, Peter? Yeah. And I think it, that has some merit in it because, you know, I when I learned judo in Korea, that Korea actually translates all the uh, tech, uh, technique names in Korean. So although when you go internationally, uh, they say, oh, you need to learn the Japanese name. Yeah. Uh, within Korea, they use Korean names that are, you know, basically descriptive yeah. in a way. So, so what about like Osorogari? What would that be? Major outside reap in English? Yeah. Right. Direct translation. What would it be in Korean? It would be patari hurigi. Patari means like the outer. Uh, it just means outer like reap in a way. Mm. Um, so it has a. It's it, it is descriptive. It has a system. Uh, yeah. So, it you so that people can kind of figure out what, what the uh the technique could mm. mean or yeah. the name mean, but. Um, I think a lot of times that, uh, in in America that people have trouble with that too, right? Because you know, yeah. if you say osotogari, if you don't know Japanese, it just um, it's it's just not that approachable for the beginners. You know, I don't buy that argument because it's like, all right, if you went to Japan and said mm-hmm. to an average person that doesn't do judo, it's like, hey, what's going on? Kesagatame. Right. People are gonna be like, what? Gatame, some kind of hold, but like, you know, scarf hold, like what? That means nothing to them. Right, you know right. I mean? So it's that like whether true. you're learning the word kesagatame or if you learn the word scarf hold in English, right? If someone walks in there, beginner, it's like, hey, we're going to do major outside reap. Okay, buddy? You know, then <laughs> it's not going to mean anything to that. Right, right. You know? Yeah, I so, think it... it, it I don't buy that you, argument. You bring up a good point because... In the in the BJJ world too, a lot of times the technique names are not even that descriptive. Like they put the names of the the technicians into like Ezekiel Choke. Oh, that's right, Ezekiel Kimura. Choke, which is Sodegrumajime actually. Yeah, yeah. Which means Kimura Udegarami. Sodegrumajime is sleeve wheel choke. Yeah, which it's kind or of if you sleeve, know what Ezekiel yeah. what the Ezekiel Choke is, you can kind of figure out why they named it that way. And yeah. then Udegarame means, you know, the wrist hold, right? Yeah, arm entanglement. Arm entanglement, yeah. So, Udegarame, arm entanglement, ashigarami, leg entanglement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, confused myself. Yeah. yeah. So I think that is, so what they call like nomenclature, right? They, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, there's a rule of naming. And then I think... That's very important. Uh, a lot of people kind of miss the point of that. Um, why uh, that was like Kano decided to make the system, the nomenclature. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think I personally, I think that is the biggest uh, contribution Kano made to the martial art world. He, biggest. Wow. I that's think a so. Major, my, major, major. It's not comment yeah. right there. That's a major I think that is the biggest because biggest. It, wow. It, not the belt systems. I think yeah, bell system yeah, I guess, but I think yeah. I think this far outweighs the bell system because really in every field, um, yeah, like it doesn't matter. I'm because I I'm a researcher, right? So I I I 
I encounter a lot of this, like when you kind of track the history of a field, be yeah. it judo, physics, computer science, artificial intelligence, there's a, there are moments in, in the history where people, usually what happens is people have disjoint ideas with different words for these disjoint ideas. And then someone comes around and tries to unify the ideas mm. So that, so that all out of these different schools of thought can exchange their ideas together. And yeah. that's when the field as a whole moves forward. It makes, mm. you know, leaps and bounds in terms of like improvements and whatnot. And then yeah. that's what Kano did. I think, you know, feudal Japan coming out and then being more modernized. And then yeah. there, there were these different jujitsu schools yeah scattered out and then they had different ideas about how to fight but kano came around and then studied everything and then established essentially like the standard model of yeah. grappling and martial art which allowed people other jujitsu schools to have a uh you know standard language yeah. of unified vocabulary to talk to each other and then exchange mm. ideas so before that, there wasn't a unified language of like, oh, this is the strike and this is that and this is named this. Like there was no nomenclature that was sort of across the board. I mean, it's a lot easier now, right, with the internet right. times and uh, people being connected. But yeah, I guess you could make that argument, you know? Yeah, because if you, I'll talk about artificial intelligence because I just know that field better. But yeah. like when in computer science, when it first started, like people in the 50s, I'm talking about 1950s, and they didn't even know about what it means for something to be computable. As mm -hmm. in, like, can we even compute this? Like, if we specify an algorithm, meaning just a series of steps that a machine can follow, can a machine follow the steps and solve this problem? That's... Mm. And now, uh, but in the in, back in the 50s, no one had a precise definition of that so yeah. they couldn't talk about it about the problem yeah. because they didn't even know it <coughs> so for example mm. like in the same sense like let's take Osotogari as an example yeah major outer reap yeah i'm sure this this school of jiu-jitsu has a different way of doing it and then they have they may not even call it major outer reap but then and then another school have a different has a different idea about that throw and then those two schools can't even t really talk about whose is better or who you know which way yeah. is better or not because they yeah. just can't even agree on what osotogari is yeah so i think i hear a lot of arguments about how how judo throws are like not not practical or like you know the in in like st street fight because there's people don't wear geese and whatnot but i think what Karo did was yeah let's standardize things sure everyone puts on a gi yeah and then this is how osotogari uh, looks then people at least has have an idea of what a standard osotogari is and then they can use mm -hmm. that as a platform to talk about oh how can we modify the standard osotogari yeah to apply to the street situation or the MMA situation. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. So 
Kano made these names, and that's the biggest contribution to martial arts by Kano. I don't know about that, Peter. I gotta tell you, man, like, it's nice to having the belt structure, the intrinsic motivation, the extrinsic motivation, and then having that. Uh-huh. And then having, like, a grappling. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But I respect your opinion. I respect your opinion. <laughs> well, why, why do you think, why do you think the, uh, the, the, it seems like you, you, you think his biggest contribution is the belt system? Or what, what no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I think there's a lot of stuff that Kano contributed to society. For instance, like integrating Japan after like a period of isolation. Like that's a right. big one. You know right. what I mean? Like that kind of like, all right, you know, Japan was kind of messed up. It was isolated. We need to bring Japan back into the world economy and helping them do that. And now because of that, there's Toyota, Nissan and all these right. different major <laughs> corporations. Right. So it's like, all right, he pushed Japan to this direction through sport and politics. Right. To make it like this, I don't know, the third biggest country by GDP on this planet. Right. I feel like that's a little bit more important than like saying like, this is Osoro. That's Tayatoshi. Well, well, I I do agree. I mean, I... I, Yeah. Or maybe you said martial arts. Yeah, but I meant for the martial arts specifically. Yeah. I think... Yeah. How about martial arts being sort of an education system and then it mm -hmm. being part of the Olympic movement? So that it's no longer, oh, martial arts to, to kill somebody or to maim somebody. Or, you know, when you lose your sword in combat, you know, you want to be able to fight somebody. Now, all of a sudden, he right. pushed it towards this, like, hey, it can be trained as a sport to develop your mind and body. Because it's good for kids to get taken down and then to learn to get back up. That's a big contribution, too, man. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead yes. of, like, this is Ko Uchigari, minor inside reap. No, it's I, not a reap. Trip. Or whatever. Yeah. Well, Kano, that was his goal, I guess. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I think you're right. That's that's <laughs> the biggest goal he had. And yeah. but I think the you know establishing the nomen- nomenclature is the yeah it I is guess very the one like yeah. concrete step he took. Yeah. And then I think I, I I'm I'm speaking as an outsider looking into the. Uh, the another popular martial art BJJ, and I think BJJ needs that kind of figure now. And then I think the the whole martial art is maturing. It's um, yeah, it's globally expanding. Yeah, and I did a little research because I work for this company Fuji now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when the for those of you who don't know, when the pandemic happened and the shutdowns happened, I was really freaked out that both my dojos might not make it, right? So right. I had to go out and get a job. I started working for Fuji, the gi company, and one of my first tasks was like, all right, let's do some market sizing mm-hmm. for the global market for gis and things like this. And I did a little bit of research. And then, you know, IJF has their number of 20 million judoka right. in the world. And then I came up with a number for Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's probably 10 million on mm-hmm. a global market, right? And then... You know, gi grappling together is 30 million, and now it's really, really increasing on the Brazilian jiu-jitsu front, especially in Europe. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it it really is important, I think. And I think they're going in that direction because they want to be legitimized. They have the IBJJF now, and they want to get into the Olympics eventually, as is Sambo, right? Mm -hmm. Sambo's trying to make a push for it to be, like, they're kind of pulling away from combat sambo on the MMA front because the Olympic doesn't like it. Right. So they're really trying to push this like uh, other grappling art. So it's like combo combat uh, sambo is really increasing popularity. BJJ is increasing in popularity. And mm-hmm. I think you're right. It is very important for those guys to have a sort of a language. Yeah, right? I think it really it, does it's come down to the language. Because now I know they like 
Tenth Planet Jujitsu, they I think they have their own nomenclature. Yeah, I think the Greeks is probably do, and then I think yeah. Danaher, uh, he's apparently he's a I, what I heard is that he's a big fan of the Japanese names. I guess he's just kind yeah, of saying hey, why it. why he reinvent says, the wheel. This and yeah, yeah, why why reinvent the wheel when you know the Kano did all the work. So I I'm very curious on what they how this will come about because and another thing is that it seems like the root of BJJ is more grassroots than judo. I think judo was actively supported by the Japanese government in, in the inception. Like Kano was on the Olympic committee and then it was more yeah. of an organized effort. But BJJ was started by a family. You know, they, yeah. it was all grassroots and they like try to make things happen through like, you know, prize fights and whatnot. So I think there's an element of, uh, I would say like individualistic element in, in the in the mm. founding myth, and then pe- uh, a lot of BJJ gyms stick to that. So I wonder yeah. how, like, I feel like people will be more resistant to yeah. this effort of standardization, which I personally think is very important. So mm. in also, that way, you're for the the language. I think yeah, Japanese. I think for the eventually any field like i said any field has to come to this moment like like i said computer science in the 50s when mm-hmm. alan turing yeah. and church when they define mathematically what it means to be computable yeah that that's when people could really start thinking about the problem yeah they didn't solve the problem of all the you know they didn't come up with all the algorithms that can compute everything they just yeah. defined what it means to be computable so and then so it, that really led people to think about the problem. Same way for BJJ, what it means to be a good grappler in their own eyes. They yeah. need to define what that is. So in that way, I'm curious to hear uh, what Sambo people is, are doing. Because I, I know that Sambo is pretty much like a national sport in Russia, right? Like yeah. there is, are, is there an effort like that? I don't know how they describe their throws. Do they have Russian names? I don't really know. I don't really know. I wish I did, but I, I could speak for jiu-jitsu and right. judo, you know, because right. those are two things that I, I'm very familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to have that unified language. And then, you know, for instance, like the problem with judo, the technique and the language system is that they only name the techniques. Right. Right. They only name the techniques. Inside trip, outside trip, arm throw, you know, inner thigh throw, uh, this kind of choke, that kind of choke, this kind of arm bar. And then it takes the context completely out of it. You mm. know, in Japan, there's a little bit more, right? Right versus left, right versus right. And I talk about this all the time in my videos. Right. What is the scenario? It's like Osorogari means nothing without mm. knowing if the guy is right versus right or right versus left. Kenkayotsu or ayotsu, right? I see. So they, you can be more detailed, more specific. In, uh, well, they are more specific in Japan. They're a little bit more specific and then you could go into the next tiered stuff. Right. Right. So there's the individual techniques and you have to have that first and foremost develop the mm-hmm. second tier contextual stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So now I'm talking about like you have the Osotogari, but what is it? Right versus right or right versus left. Mm-hmm. Okay. Osotogari in Kenkoyot's position. Okay. Now looks a little bit different than right. the Ayotsu right versus right position. And Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brilliantly did this by saying, okay, this is called the guard. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the guard has been around forever. Right. Spider guard has been around forever. 
De La Hiva's been around. There's documentation of people right. doing De La Hiva in the 40s and 50s yeah. in Japan. Yeah. You know, but they never named it. They never right. named it. And everything was Ashigurami leg entanglement, right? So now there's like a standard Ashigurami, outside Ashigurami. You know, and then you could do the outside Sankaku, inside Sankaku, just to name a couple of the different configurations of leg lock positions mm-hmm. in BJJ. And the person who came up with that was John Donaher. Right. right? But if there was no unified like Ashigurami system, right, that one independent thing that he could build context around, then it would have never got to that place. Right. You know what I mean? So I think it's very important, you know, the language really matters, right? The way language is structured, it shapes the way people think, it shapes the way how we behave, all these different things. And the problem with having this system now of this is inside trip, that's outside trip, this is arm throw, is that people only focus on that and then there's no context to, to really right. give it. You know what I mean? So if I were to say, you know, a lot of my listeners probably watch my YouTube channel, but it's like, okay, right first right, losing position. I go for a soto. You mm-hmm. know, the guy feels threatened. He goes for a bailout attack, drop lefty Ponce Nagi. Now I'm in the turtle position. I go for the British strangle, right? I missed the British strangle. Now I'm in back take position. Now I secure my seatbelt grip and now I drop to the weak side to try to isolate an arm. Right, that you could visualize right. this, you know. And there's people probably if you're anywhere above like you know a year into martial arts, you know, through my system or a school that has the nomenclature, right? You could follow that visually right. in your head, so as opposed to like if we only had mm-hmm. Ipon Senagi, if we only had uh, the British Strangle or you know Kriya Jime, you wouldn't be able to do that, and you wouldn't be able to coach that, right? You see I, what I mean? So we can't do away with what's already there, you know, because right. there's so much embedded in, you know, all these different names already. We just have to build the context around it. We just have to build, introduce new mm-hmm. uh, language. And then the people who are at the top who are influencers, you know, influencers <laughs> like, <laughs> like yourself, have to put it out there and say, yeah. yeah, this is the way I speak to my students. This is the way to understand, to be able to listen and visualize. Right. Right. So you think? So I think it's really important, yeah. So in that way, um, you think it's better to, for, for example, BJJ community to build upon the established judo Japanese names, because it's the, a I mean, lot it's of the already there, is, right? Right. So why reinvent something completely new? For instance, right. I use Donahue as an example because he's sort of the thought leader in this world now and uh, the leg lock system is a good example. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Shin to shin, inside position, and then he you know, goes in and uh, ashigurami and then takes the person down and it's already there. It's already right. made. The system is good. You know, now if we want to add different positions to it, yes, you know, you could, someone that, the, you know, can do that, right? And then the best one, it's kind of like capitalism, right? The best product you know, gets bought the most, and then right. affects the supply and demand line. You know what I mean? So whoever does it the best is mm-hmm. going to become the standard eventually because people are going to copy that, you know? And I do it once, and then that person does it, and that person talks about it. And before you know it, everybody's sort of doing something similar. And until someone tweaks it or changes it, that really works, and that catches on, and that name happens. Maybe you invent a new choke, and it's called the Peter choke. <laughs> and then everyone's like, "Hey, do you? Do, I'm in this position. I go for the Peter U. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that point about so what they call like lingua franca, right? Like the the it's Ooh, not Peter you know, dropping knowledge today. Yeah, <laughs> because that's a good 
for example, in computer science, I, I keep going back yeah. to it because I just, that's what I'm most familiar with. The language to speak in computer science is English mm. because a lot of the Alan Turing was an uh, English speaker. A lot of the major breakthroughs came in America, in the Bell Labs yeah. in the 60s and 70s. So that means if you want to study computer science, you got to be able to speak English because all the research papers are written in English. All the mm. names are in English. Yeah. So, you know, Chinese researchers, Japanese researchers, Korean researchers, they pump up quality, quality research papers. Yeah. But they, have, they can't write the, in their own languages. They probably want to, mm. but then if, if it's really about, you know, how we exchange ideas um, and develop as a field. So you kind of yes. have to like set aside your nationalist ego, I guess, in a way. I think in the same way, it's just the fact it started in judo. Kano established the standard model. Yeah. So like I love you, how said, you said that. Yeah. yeah. You have to set aside that nationalistic ego. That's, that's excellent. And it's true, man, because there's yeah. so much in the Japanese judo language that gets sort of overlooked. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if you say lapel hand, sleeve hand, okay? right? It's like right hand on the lapel on the opponent's left collar, and this it's like it gets too confusing, right? You know, but if they already have a system, for instance, ayotsu, mm -hmm. okay, which is right first right or left first left, mm -hmm. right? It's the two people fighting same sided, right? So it's ayotsu position, tsurite, which is the lapel hand, okay? So you right. know it's your right hand, you know it's your right hand, the opponent's right hand grabbing my left collar, grabbing their left collar. You don't mm -hmm. have to say left hand, right hand, this, that, this, that, this. It's like, ayotsu, tsurite. Yeah, right? there were like more technical names to describe yeah. a specific situation. It's just, they just have to be Japanese. Yeah, and, and then now they have uh, things that build on it too. For yeah. instance, like squeezing the tsurite in mm -hmm. an ayotsu setting, right versus right, opponent has my collar, and I'm squeezing it down to bring their hand down right. so I could bring my hand up to gain that advantage. Okay? Right. Something like this is said in essentially three terms, right? Ayotsu mm tsurite -hmm. shiboru, right? Three, boom. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's so easy to give that command as mm -hmm. opposed to like if I were to do that in English with new terminology, you know, it's like, uh, you know, right? can't invent it. I mean, I have the direct translation that I use. And then sometimes you'd say instead of squeeze, you say cut, right? Mm -hmm. Cut the tsurite in a, and then you know what? I, I use the English terms. I don't teach my students, you know, ayotsu kenkaitsu, tsurite hikite. I don't, you mm -hmm. know, and I translated it over to English, right? As you know. Right. Yeah. But I kept the attacks after that because mm -hmm. it's good. It's yeah. already good. Right. You know right. what I mean? And then, you, you know, you have to have some of the old and some of the new. And then my judo system, as you've already heard me talk about this many, many times, it's a blend of both. Mm -hmm. Right, and there are some things that are unique to my system, my nomenclature, unique to mm -hmm. the dojo that I think is very efficient and beneficial. And you know, I talk about it on my YouTube channel, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's just sort of got to be the way. Yeah, you, know, you can't just completely do away with it and you know reinvent everything right. and then reinvent your own language. Now all of a sudden you go train somewhere else or compete somewhere else or you're trying to give know. direction yeah. to the coaching seat, and people are like, no, what are you talking about? You know? Right. So in that yeah. way. You talked about, you know, blending the old and the new. Mm. So let's kind of talk about judo a little bit. So like you mentioned, judo's nomenclature kind of lacks for newaza. It's not as detailed as the, uh, the throwing nomenclature. 
So you think yeah. now with the rise of popularity of BJJ and whatnot, you think you know Kodokan or IJF will spend more time standardizing the Neowaza techniques even more? Like, no, you don't I don't think, think so. so. Because the IJF and the those guys aren't really reactive. Like they're not looking around saying, "Okay, what are all these other guys doing? We should right. you know try to compete with them." They have I don't want to say arrogance, but they're you know they're the leaders in the grappling world. Judo is right. the biggest grappling you know sport in the world, and you know you could argue wrestling is much older. Wrestling has been around right. longer. All these different things, but if you look at a wrestling world championship versus judo world championships, mm-hmm. the brackets are completely different. Right. You know, judo has the the leading leading spot in terms of country participation. Mm-hmm. Right, all the different countries' participation part of because of that global initiative to expand judo. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I mean. So, so they're not really gonna look over their shoulder and be like, "Oh, mm-hmm. jujitsu is doing this. Let let's let's us do that." You know. So, in given that you think they won't do it, you think they should. Do you think they should? Uh, you know, I don't think they should because. There's not a necessity for it, right? For instance, right. like in jujitsu, you get rewarded for putting, you taking the person's back and putting both hooks in. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to say, okay, how do we get these hooks in? Okay, right. go, you know, wrist control and then throw the hook in, attack the neck, and the person defends the neck. That mm-hmm. opens up that opposite hook, and then you throw in that opposite hook, mm-hmm. right? So it's important to have that term hook, throwing a hook in there. Right. In judo, you know, when the person misses the throw and they're in the bottom down turtle position, there's no necessity to throw in those hooks, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you can and you will need to, but there's other ways to score. Mm-hmm. Now, if you miss a throw, your belly down, you could literally pick the person up off the ground and slam them, right? Right? And it's like, why wouldn't a big, strong athlete do that? Mm-hmm. They would. That's going to be their primary go-to now, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the rule set. Right. So for the person to like put your hooks in because it's points, like that's not going to happen now. I see. You know, there, of course, there's going to be people who do that and implement that kind of a strategy, but there's no need to, right? So, or for instance, like uh, another thing is like open guard position. Mm-hmm. If you miss Tomonage, you end up in bottom open guard position. There's not too much that could potentially happen there because if there is no forward progression, mm-hmm. you just stand up. Yeah. Stand you up. And yeah. by the nature of the conflict of you trying to pass my guard, me trying to retain guard, it's going to be this, like, you gain position moving a little bit. There really is not going to be, like, oh, the person's, you know, right? If it's very similar in level, mm-hmm. right? So it's, like, there's no really need to be expanding the terminology in the open guard position. It's like mm-hmm. open guard sleeve, the transition to X guard or, or right. why not? Because there's no time to get to those positions in judo, you know? I wish the rule sets would favor Mm-hmm. That kind of a uh, little bit more Nawaza focused, Nawaza oriented, right? You know, grappler like to encourage that kind of uh, thing. But you know, like I always say, the IJF and the International Olympic Committee is worried about spectatorship, right? Right? They want the it's an Olympic sport; it needs to be spectator friendly. People want to see people get bombed, right? You know what I mean? So they want to push that kind of a thing. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. People say, "Hey, that's wrong." Right? It's not really martial anymore. Yeah. Leg grabs don't make it exciting with the gi because when you get too close, you're locked up upper body and then shooting in the leg is very difficult. People end up shooting right. from too far out before they put the hands on the gi, which makes for not such a good shot. Now, all of a sudden, two people are fighting defensively because they're both shooting from the outside. And now, you know, it's not as exciting as, right. you know, people forcing that upper body thing and getting launched. Right. That's not good for yeah. self-defense. 
Yeah, but that's not what it's for. You know, right. the IJF and the International Olympic Committee doesn't care whether judo is self-defense friendly or not. You know, they care they care about their status in the Olympic right. community and people watching the Olympics, There's, right? Because way, it's a that's big not, revenue driver. That's nothing wrong with that in a way. I mean, that's yeah. why they exist, to promote yeah. judo as so, an Olympic sport. I'm digressing, but I don't think they're yeah, going to we'll, go we'll, and be like, this is the guard position, this is half guard position, this is the knee shield. <laughs> like, they're just never going to go there. Yeah. Um, it's our job as grapplers, me and you, you know. Yeah. To learn some of that stuff right. and then bring some over to judo and then bring some of judo right. stuff over to BJJ and then have like this sort of information sharing situation in a collaborative way. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. our job. It's our job as grapplers. We'll we'll definitely right. ha- we'll have a, we'll dedicate an episode about the whole leg grab situation in the future and that's I think it's a fascinating topic. But yeah, in as you mentioned, yeah, I think it's it's our job to make the information sharing happen so in that way kind of looking into the future we talked about judo's future um how about bjj you think do you have a sense of how if at all this kind of movement towards standardization would happen in in for bjj (coughs) uh i think they're on the right track with the ibjjf i know people don't like it right um it's they need a clear cut vision of like where they want to go with the sport, right? Right. I think there's too many players that you know, hey, no, jujitsu's for fighting. Uh, no, jujitsu's a martial art, mm-hmm. and then sports jujitsu's this, and then you have the people who are invested in that, and then there's just too many. And I don't know. I think it's very difficult to have a right, right, unified vision. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes, they want to be in the Olympics, but if they want to be in the Olympics, they have to get rid of that fighting mentality right right it's like oh it's a martial arts it's a no you have to accept the fact that it, it's going in this direction and enough people need to be on board with one particular vision to be sort of like the collective uh majority mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and then when that happens i think they could go in that direction you know i'm not right. an expert in like uh jiu-jitsu trends right but i think you know yeah i think uh that's what i think about it <laughs> yeah that that'll be an interesting I, I, I lurk in the BJJ subreddit a lot and I see that yeah. debate a lot, you know, martial arts versus sports, you know, I, it, yeah. it, that would be an important question for them to ask. I mean, judo clearly answered that question. They said, okay, this is a sport, right? In the, I disagree the, with you on that one. Oh, really? I disagree with you. Yeah. I don't think it's a mutually exclusive of like, uh, all right, it's either a sport or a martial art. It has to be a little bit of both. You know, I it's see. really down to the instructor to say, hey, it's a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. It's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like many things. Right, Peter? <laughs> yeah, it is. It <laughs> it's is, a yeah. spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> Man, spectrum has such a bad rap in that, that word. I think it, 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 it describes the situation, but I see what you mean. And I guess maybe I have the personal bias because I, I, I treat my, I'm on the more on the sports side of the spectrum. I, I see judo as more of a sport. But I, get, I think I, anyone, when you're competing, yeah. you sort of have to be on the sports side because right. unified rule set, you could do this, you can't do this, you're training. But if somebody's coming into the dojo and they're like, I just want to learn how to defend myself through judo, right. whether it be I want to get in better shape because I don't feel like I'm in good shape, I want to get stronger, I want functional strength of pulling someone's head down and slamming them, right? All those different things. Now, they're not mm. there for sport. Right. You know, and to force them into this like path of like you want to compete and you have to go like this and you have to go like down that road and you, I think that's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So it's I'm 
I owe it to them to say, okay, these are the ideas of judo, and these are the things of judo. This is how you train. These are the moves. If you we you can do this, you can't do that. Here's the martial perspective mm-hmm. or the martial implications of these techniques and these positions. Right. You know what I mean? So the judo experience is different for a lot of people, but there needs to be a path, right? And I right. love this sport side because it helps that evolve. You know, it's right. the it's the example of like when you go for Uchimata versus Hanegoshi. Mm-hmm. People are on the internet oh, like, yeah. hey, check out my Uchimata. They do the Uchimata. It's like, no, that's a Hanegoshi because this is that. You know, and it's like, it doesn't matter. You're missing the entire point then. That's, you know, if that's we're sitting a... around arguing about sport or martial art or whatever it is, it's not going to do the sport any good really, yeah. I think. You know what I mean? Do some for sport. Do some for martial art. Learn both and grapple. And then the competition in the sport is there mm-hmm. to make each other better, really. Right? right? I mean, that's what it's about. Competing yeah. is to make each other better through – and you can't compete fully without the sport rule set. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, martial arts, you could poke your eyes and bite right. them and you would get like this or stomped in the crunch if you're in this position. It's like – Okay, go do that in a competition. See how many people keep competing. Right. See how good that is for the sport. Right. It's not. Right? So the competition side, the sports side, and the martial side, they need each other. Mm-hmm. Right? So you can't really discredit. It's like, ah, he's not a competitor. He doesn't compete. Like, I think that's the biggest sin. Mm-hmm. I talk about the, the, the sins in judo. That's a horrible disservice to the community. When, you know, you're elevating just the competition side versus, oh, just the sports side is nonsense. You know, it's just doesn't, it's not realistic. That does more harm for the sport and the community, not for the sport, for the martial art or the entire community. You you know, so we have to kind of move away from that. Bring up an important point. Like, I see that a lot in judo community too, like kind of being too pedantic about throws. Like I said, Uchimara and Hanegoja are classic examples. Yeah. Yeah, who cares? But... We have to remember that as judo people, yeah, we love that we have standardized names, but we have to remember that they are tools yeah. uh, to for uh, the 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 ultimate goal. I guess you know it, it will probably depend on the person, but it's it's really to be a better grappler and a better person, healthier, all that. Yeah, and then you know these names, the nomenclature is just a tool, and then we don't have to yeah. fight over it. And yep. I think yeah. that's a good point. I think and when more people come on board with that, mm-hmm. I think it's helpful. For instance, I get Instagram DMs all the time like, hey, I'm <laughs> trying to do Tayo. How do I set it up? Or what's the best setup for Tayo? Right. It's like, okay, you know, uh, do you know how to grip fight? Do you know how to hand fight? Do you know how to right. be in a good position? Are you talking about right side versus left or, mm-hmm. or right versus right? You know, without having those questions answered, you know, it's like when I answer back, it's like, are you in a are you righty or lefty? Like which? Yeah. And if they have no clue what I'm talking about, it's like I can't help you. Right. It's like, can you just tell me Sasai or Ochi or Kochi? Which one's the best? It's like none of them are the best. Yes. It really right. matters. You know, the context matters. I can't give you. Are you fighting someone bigger? Are you fighting someone small, smaller? Right side versus left. Right. Mm-hmm. Like all these different things matter. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Can you do tile from losing position? Can you do tile from winning position? Right. You know, right side versus right, right side versus left. Like I think when people come on board with that then at least they have the tie you know? Right. But now if they said, like, uh, turning, cross-legged, leg shooting across the outside person's ankle throw, right. I'm be like, what are you talking about? I'm not exactly. even going to respond to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yes, we should keep some of this stuff. You know, it, it already, judo and BJJ, it's already a special club, uh-huh. right? And uh, I talked about it before, but, you know, when you're a non-grappler, you're sort of on the outside looking in. You right. know what I mean? It takes a different type of a person, a special breed to do these kinds yeah. of 
uh, activities, mm-hmm. right? That's right. And I think it only furthers that sort of special bond and camaraderie if you guys have your own language mm-hmm. that's across the board. Right. Right. And yeah, and then these these names ground yeah like ground that context like you like you said if he if he didn't have these names to, ex- yeah. to we, it would be impossible to discuss the the intricate context and details yes because yes. we need to at least have a base found foundation to build upon yeah yeah so now uh have, we've talked about the importance and the usefulness and you know the whole lot about the nomenclature um, do you, and let's kind of go back to the people who have reservations about using these terms and maybe we'll, we can, uh, yeah. give them some tips on how to best utilize yeah. them, how to memorize them. Well, yeah. um, so let's start with how to kind of memorize them, I guess, in a way like it's, it's, it, I know there are some parts in the name, Japanese names I want to, can we go over that quickly? Like, you know what, man, I gotta, I gotta say. It's gonna be like uh, mm-hmm. you know you're familiar with the Common Core. Yes, yes. In the education system, yeah. it's like yes, you know you want to do everything conceptually, higher order thinking. You right. want to foster critical thinking, all these different things. I get it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I get it theoretically, but you know all these people, the bureaucrats in an office room, you know, not having taught themselves, grinding it out in the classroom day after day, right? Uh, making these things based on theory right. is a little bit different. You know what I mean? Sometimes a kid just has to learn their multiple tables. Right. You have to look at it like that. Multiplication tables. That's a good way to look Osoro, Ochi, Kochi, Sasai, Tayo, Deashi. There's a million resources out there already. That's mm-hmm. sort of the basic thing. It's like, ah, I don't really want to learn. It's like, okay. You know? It's like in Spanish, right? I learned Spanish. That was my minor in college. Mostly uh. because I had a Spanish-speaking girlfriend at the time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but like, uh, if I wanted to learn the Spanish, I had to learn how to conjugate the verbs. I had right. to learn the verbs, Right. And then I have to learn how to conjugate them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no going around about it and saying like, okay, you know, the best way, you know, theoretically, whatever. You just have to learn it. Right. You just have to have the basis. Yeah. You just, you know, and yeah. I think Maybe that happens like the best way, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know I, if I answered your question. I just kind of started. Writing. No, I think <laughs> it, it, it's a good approach. I think it, because for me, for example, I learned judo in Korea yeah. first. I, mm-hmm. I learned the Korean names first. And then yeah. later when I came, uh, you know, was doing started doing judo in you uh, in the states i had to learn the japanese yeah. names and then you're right like in, in in korean because i know the language it's it's easier yeah. to like you said reason through it like kind of yeah instead of memorizing but yeah let me ask you a question what do they call korean sanagi in korean there's like us sanagi Damn, what do they call it? Like it's like it's wagged. I actually know the answer to that. They call it like folding sanagi. Right? Yeah, like you like wrap it, yeah. wrapping, wrapping sanagi, or like one one sleeve, not one sleeve, one lapel it's funny sanagi. Funny how we globally we call it Korean sanagi now. Right. I mean, some people resist that and say reverse sanagi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I think that's I like more it, of a Korean descriptive sanagi. name, but I guess yeah. Koreans popularized it. It's kind of like yeah. It's cool, you, know, you yeah. pay homage to the people who do it. You yeah, know, like there's a Mongolian Sanagi. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you were saying about. <laughs> oh no, no, it's just that um, I think you, you you like what you said is correct. Is you just have to sit down and start memorizing. But once yeah. you do, you start noticing the pattern. It's kind of like 
you 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 uh, learn all the kanjis, right? Like the Chinese characters when you learn Japanese in school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For, for, <laughs> well, first of all, you, you you there's a pattern to it. I mean, there's like thousands and thousands of characters, but they're not just all random. You know, once no, you start yeah. know the basics, you can kind of piece things together. And same thing with mm-hmm. judo names. Yeah, there are a lot of names, but once you start memorizing them and then kind of figuring out, and you'll you'll see the pattern eventually. I think yeah. it's a yeah. it's uh, a lot of people resist that because they think it's it's just uh, yeah. It's, it's I'll give you a tip though. Yeah. about how. Sitting down and memorizing, you know, 67 or whatever number of throws. Yeah. I probably should know that off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> sitting down and memorizing each and every one technique might not be very useful of your time. Right. You know? And I never try to force that kind of thing. And you asked about what's the best way to teach it. Uh, and the way I do it is like, hey, this is a sotogari, you know, and I just sort of teach the movements, teach the context. This is how you do it. This is how you mm. enter it. This is how you might resist it. And then as I'm teaching this lesson of throwing somebody with a sotogari, right. right, there's a lot, you know, embedded in that lesson, right? Like, yes, you learn this technique. Are you going to be able to hit it th- in a live, you know, setting? Right. No. It's going to take you a long time to learn it. Why? Because you need to learn the setups. And these right. are the things that might cause resistance in learning it. Mm-hmm. And as I'm teaching this whole lesson, I'm saying, Osotogari, 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 Osotogari. And then it's like, okay, complementary throw, so Osotogari. Let's look at Sasai going in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. The complementary, because I'm going this way, you resist this way, I fake this way, I go that way. Mm-hmm. Right? right? So now it's like, Osoto Sasai, Osoto Sasai. I'm throwing that language out there nonstop with the guy. You know what I mean? So the second lesson, third lesson, it's like, hey, show me Sasai. Right. They may not be able to produce that word, but they can recognize show it. the movement. Yeah. Right? They can recognize it and just show it and be like, oh, this is what we did in Sasai. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you didn't put the foot there. You put the foot wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't, I won't do that. I'm just kidding. But like, right? So now all of a sudden they know Osoto Sasai. They can produce it when asked. And mm-hmm. eventually, right, when they're, hey, can you show me another move? Okay, Ouchigari, inside trip. Mm-hmm. Right, Ochigari inside trip. Osoto's outside trip. Inside trip is Ochigari. You got Osoto and Ochi. Now you got Osoto, Ochi, Sasai in the arsenal. Right. You know what I mean? And then one day, after you know a month of training and drilling it, and then people saying it and hearing, all right, next we're drilling Ochi, Osoto, the Sasai combination, blah, blah, blah. They're going to come in and ask me, like, hey, when I'm hitting that Sasai, what should my hands be doing? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you produced it. Right, right. You know what I mean? So I think that's the best approach as an instructor. And mm-hmm. that's always sort of the way that I like to teach it. Uh, when I'm teaching the Osoto curriculum or the Osoto lesson, it's like, hey, these are the concepts, these are the ideas, these are the things you may encounter, blah, 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 blah. Osoto, 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 Osoto. Right? Right. And then the second tier would be to, right, the way I just explained it. So right. I think that's the best way. And I've been doing it that way for many, many, many years. And I'm sure you learned that way too from me because. I thought all this stuff as opposed to me explicitly teaching you all the different yeah. gripping ideas. You know what I mean? I'll throw in some of the jargon that I have. For instance, like uh, I, I can't think of any right now, but as you're doing, you're a little bit of a different case because you came to me right. uh, with all this experience. And so it's like, I'll hey, do this, do that in this scenario. And then I'll throw down, throw those I mean, terms out a, there. Like, until... You can talk about the rolling the shoulder. That's like one thing I really learned from you. Like we, Oh, yeah, yeah. You, to yeah. establish a dominant position, yeah. That's right. So it's like right side versus right side. You right. should just link up and then just start trying to muscle through. But generally, you're, 
smaller than a lot of the guys right. at the dojo, right? Because yeah. you were, you know, a measly 73 years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's like roll the shoulders, gain advantage. And then you're like, in the beginning, like, huh? But right. then once I've said it enough, it's like it just becomes natural. Yeah. That's right. I think about that a lot. It's, you know, what they call like grounding. You you know. Yeah. You so I think you bring up a good point. It's not it's not only how the instructor teaches it, but you also yeah. need an active learner. Like a a person when the instructor tries to ground the concept or word to a yeah. concept, uh, uh, the learner has to actively ground it to the concept uh ground the movement to the uh to yeah. the name and then yeah wants to actively learn it i think that it's not <coughs> gonna be like a like a process osmosis or something that's just gonna diffuse to you you have to observe it absorb it actively that's true yeah that's very true yeah yeah and then once you have that you have these different patterns that sort of work together no matter what mm-hmm. right and then you don't have to be explicit in saying some of these things anymore because it's automated in right. your judo system, mm-hmm. right? Right side versus left, you know, putting that right hand on the lapel first, fighting for inside or outside configuration, right? All this stuff I don't even need to say to my top level guys because it's already embedded right. in their strategy. Right. They need to put the hand on first, right? And then if they're failing, right, uh, at that and they're not putting their hands on first and they're losing position, they both want inside position, right side versus left. Right. Right, and then you're getting stuck on the outside. You know, we know why. Right. Right. So I might say something like, "Yo, jab the fake," you know, and then mm-hmm. then when the hand goes down to parry, then you right. punch the hand into something like this. Right. You know, uh, I don't know if I. Uh, maybe I'm just digressing and ranting at this. No, point. no, no, no. That was good. It, it, and that, but that's once you have that pattern, right yeah. now you have the second portion of it is like, all right, you're stuck on the outside, or whether you fought for the inside position, now creating a post and shoulder turn. Right. Yeah, we talk about this all the time in a kenkaiyotsu or right, right side versus left setting, right? So now we're getting, you know, two sort of patterns, two sort of positions before we even go for any attack, mm-hmm. right? Because judo is so contextual and it gets left out all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to know this stuff. You just need right. to know it in order to elevate your game. There's all you can only get so far of like, put your hands on the gi, go for ochi, go for risotto, go for tayo. You can only get so far. Right. If you have a coach that talks like that, you're like, all right, maybe this guy doesn't really know mm-hmm. how or to resist or the you know the main lines of attack or how the entire system or the gamification plays out mm-hmm. in a one-to-one setting. Yeah. So nomenclature, the, all the Japanese names, they are yeah. there to if you know efficiently communicate with others about the context surrounding all the throws. Yes. And yes. And yeah. then we have to remember that it's not just about the sake of learning the throws and then getting the correct names. It's about the context and then and the names are just efficient ways to it's an efficient way to communicate that with people instead of having to describe in detail each th- what an each uh, what each throw is. And then it just takes time to get to that. You you need to be able to ground it, ground yeah. these names to the actual throws. And that means you need to be active learners and mm-hmm. the instructors also will have to be active and then trying to ground these concepts to the names and yeah. just takes time and you just have to stick with it like you said and um you know it's stick with it if you have a good coach yeah right and i think that's the most important part of this whole thing right you could go to a, a judo school and they everyone only learns right side versus right side right you know, they don't talk about hand position. They don't talk about gripping. It's like, this is Osoto. This is Tayo. 
Okay, go. Right. And, you know, I learned like that too, in a sense. You know, when I was younger, until this entire world of judo opened up to me from just traveling around the world competing. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. And I think it's very, very important to be able to elevate yourself mm -hmm. into these new dimensions, new levels by being able to speak the language. Yeah. So, you know, simply... You need to learn the basic movement, the names of these throws. Like, now you're going to go backwards if you need to rename Osotogari, rename Tatoshi, oh, the Japanese terminology. Right. You have to go backwards on it now. Right. You know what I mean? That's not. It's already there, right? There's already a next tier and a tier above that, all the language that describes all these different ideas and maneuvers. Mm -hmm. Go learn it. Right. Right. But have a good coach. Yeah. You know, if you <laughs> talk about, hey, coach, in a right side versus left side position, I have inside configuration. They create a frame and a barrier by bringing the elbow over the top. How do I encounter this? And then if the coach doesn't say, like, are your shoulders turned already or, right? Mm -hmm. like, that should be the answer. Like, right. does he have your shoulders turned? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like yes or no. And then they give good feedback. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, here, here are your options here, kid. Right. right. As opposed to like, ah, get rid of it. Ah. Then, yeah. then, you know, that coach doesn't really know what he's talking about. Right. I'm not trying to discredit anybody, but I've heard it countless times, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes, you know, the people speak the language. Right. When I seek out uh, coaches and mentors, I ask these questions. If they don't speak the language, I know they don't really know it. Right. Right. They have to be able to communicate to me. Right. They have to the be able context, to, first of all, yeah. read me. And understand where I am in right. terms of understanding, and then teach me just above that, right? And that's sort of the the magic, uh, coach right. coaching sort of formula, I think. Create that flow you know I mean? of the virtual cycle where you give you give yourself a little bit of, uh, you give your student a little bit of challenge, and you yeah. immediately feedback. Just yeah, yeah. Because if I threw in four or five terminology. That the green belt has no clue what right. I'm talking about. That information not is not going to be useful. Yeah. But if I know what he knows by his communication skills of right, and if he came in, like I told you, that one guy that came in, mm -hmm. he's never done judo before, but he spoke the language because he watched all my right. videos. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And he asked specific questions that like a brown or a brown belt, uh, brown or a black belt right. would ask. And I was blown away. But I was like, "You've never grappled before?" He's like, "No, I just watched all your videos." I'm like, "That's insane." His theoretical knowledge of like. Is just blew me away. Right. You know? So that's, he has the theoretical knowledge. Now he's got to make his body do it. And that's yeah. sort of a, a much shorter path mm -hmm. than someone that's already super athletic, that's coming in, just gunslinging. And that guy is going to get better faster. But in terms of like shorter path to greatness, yeah. That, I think that kid has a much bigger advantage. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. Well, I think that was a fascinating conversation. I think very um, interesting. Yeah. I yeah. hope everyone, uh, you know, uh, I think I, I hope from this, I think everyone could start thinking about what these names actually mean to them and how to approach yeah. them. So any parting words for the listeners? Yeah, I just found it. My biggest takeaway from this entire episode is that you thought out of all the things Kano did politically, the best thing he's ever done was name Osorogari. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I yeah. think I, I, I stand by my position. Well, this is, I'm not talking about politics, just for the martial arts. Yeah. Yes, I think that's yeah. the biggest contribution. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about the belts and stuff eventually. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to the people who are listening, thank you for listening. Uh, it gives me great validation to know that people care what I think about some of the stuff that I've acquired my entire life. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Like it. Share it, 
do all the good stuff and hopefully if the feedback is good and if it really takes off and you know I would love to keep making this with Peter give us direct feedback I love direct feedback you know you're renting too much you, you don't make any sense you say ah uh, too much like I love all those different feedbacks because it helps me better yeah right same for me get too. better yeah yeah <laughs> same for me too well thanks yep. for listening guys and uh stay tuned for the next episode see you guys yep. soon